Hi everyone, I'm Suzanne Delahunty and this is Freedom Hunters, a podcast about inspiring people who have escaped the rat race and found freedom in their dream career. We talk about their career journeys, the challenges they've faced along the way and what success means for them now that they're doing what they love. Today, I am delighted to welcome one of the coolest women I know, Chloe Roberts. Chloe is Executive VP at First Access Entertainment, a company at the forefront of music management, publishing, film, TV and tech development, acting and model management. Her company has developed the careers of artists such as Zane, Jessie J, Ellie Goulding and currently manages the likes of Rita Ora, Winnie Harlow and Connor Maynard. Not only is Chloe leading the way for women in the entertainment industry, but she's also an inventor. A few years ago, while on maternity leave, she came up with an idea that led to the development and launch of a hugely successful product called Lap Baby. Today, I talked to Chloe about her career journey so far, her style as an exec in a creative industry, time's up in the music industry, and what happens when you're presented with the opportunity to take your career in a completely new direction. So I'm here with Chloe Roberts, who is the Executive Vice President at First Access Entertainment. And we're here in her West London uh, studio and office. So if you hear a bit of background noise, uh, that's rock and roll. So rock hi. And roll. Musicians, hi. bands, artists. <laughs> hi. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much for being my first ever guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very exciting. So I often see you in your social media, you're partying with rock stars and celebrities on yachts, <laughs> taking private jets here and there. But what I want to hear about is what really is a typical day in That's the just life showing off. of a music uh, industry exec. As the executive vice president here, um, I, I kind of oversee the whole operations of the company. But because my background is in actual talent management for 12 years, I did day-to-day artist management. I still get very involved in a lot of the artist projects that are going on here. And um, so, I mean, today, for example... I'm here with you. I'm then going to sit with our digital team and talk about the digital marketing of our new acts that we have four releasing this week, for example, today. Which ones? Um, we have an incredible new talent called Karamani, who, if you're into style, you also want to follow her on Instagram. Oh, yeah. She's super stylish. She's 19. She's half Greek. She's born and bred in London and she's just got a voice like Mariah Carey. Um, yeah, we have another young British artist called Casey Lowry who's releasing his second single today. We also look after amazing South London uh, poet and artist Ray Black who's releasing her female empowerment track Empress today and then a very kind of like um, a very, how do you describe Bexy? Look up Bexy Swan and then make up your own mind. He's just amazing. He's part of a whole new kind of like generation of young kids doing their own thing in music. Wow. So yeah. it sounds fascinating. You must have the most interesting days at work. I feel like I do actually. And it's not that, you know, I do feel very lucky in the job that I have that um, no day is ever the same. And also I really do um, enjoy my days. Um, and also I think Working with young people, you know, the majority of, I'm probably the oldest person in this company and working every day with young people keeps you, keeps you aware of what's going on in youth culture. We're very much, people see us, you know, as a music company, we're essentially a a youth culture business. Mm. We're on the, on the interface of everything that's going on with youth culture in terms of music, fashion, apps, you know, tech, style, 
you name it. We, yeah. we, we've kind of, we're talking about it and we're, we probably have a, another associated business in those areas. Yeah. I mean, I see tech coming more and more into all the conversations we're having around popular culture today. I mean, what's, you know, how do you see it from where you're standing? Well, here's, you know, a very interesting example where, like I said, we're known as an entertainment company and yet we were approached to be early investors in, in an app called that's launched, soft launched a couple of months ago called Happy Not Perfect. And, um, an amazing young girl called Poppy Jamie, who has an incredible, um, TED talk called Addicted to Likes, oh, which I yeah. recommend, you know, everyone to watch, not even young people. She had this idea for a well-being app for the millennials. You know, we have Headspace, we have Calm. And mm. so she, we, we were very early investors in that app and, um, it was soft launched two months ago. So we, even in tech and, you know, that's just one example, but from, you know, a kind of merchandise business that we, we are in a partnership with, we're not just looking at where it is today. We're looking at the future of the retail and the merchandise business. And that will all be through apps. I'm very interested in clothes. And we've talked about this before, about how you may be in a meeting with a 19-year-old artist who's the you know, leading edge of popular culture or whatever it is, and then you've got to go to a meeting with investors. What do you wear? Exactly. <laughs> that is, and I was talking about this just the other night. I was out with um, a Premier League football player and um, talking about our new sports venture. Mm. And I was saying to him exactly that it's very difficult because I was, we were talking about my day and who I'd seen. I think what's actually saved the day is a really good pair of sneakers. Uh-huh. And this is interesting because I, for example, today, and I know that, you know, you can't, you can't see what I have on, but from the top half, I could appear to be fairly not corporate, but mm. you know, and yet because I, it's, it's, it's acceptable nowadays, even in kind of corporate meetings to be wearing a pair of trainers. It, it, you know, that never used to really be acceptable to bring maybe a pair of trainers into the boardroom. But you got to remember that everything I'm doing is still in the, in the area, the arena of lifestyle. Yeah. And because I do come from a music business background, I think that if I'm not wearing, um, some crazy power suit or, you know, a crazy pair of heels, I don't need those to feel important. Although, yeah. of course, under my desk right here, I always have a backup pair of shoes. Should I feel yeah. the need to just, up the game in terms of a shoe. I, I, but I do struggle. I'll be mm. honest with you. I think I struggle particularly when I know I'm seeing artists mm. because they're more and more conscious about style and fashion. And maybe I'm also age conscious, you know, because, um, like I said, I'm in an office with a lot of young people and there's probably part of me that still wants to be, still obviously thinks I'm 18 <laughs> and so still you wear that white shell suit. <laughs> so I went and I bought, um, a Lacoste shell suit because I was having this, um, this urge to just come dressed as, like I did when I used to go around when I was 16 years old in the shell suit and trainers <laughs> and some of these new artists were coming in dressed like that and I kind of I kind of sit here and think I want you to know I'm I'm cool like you you know which I'm clearly not anymore sadly mm-hmm. um so I actually they came in one day and I told them about my um my shell suit kind of desire and uh we all went to Westfield we went to Lacoste they came with me they were hopefully laughing with me, not 
at me and I bought a really amazing uh, Lacoste shell suit. Have you worn it in the office yet? I wore it once and then it, beca- it it's quite thick and it right. was just before summer and it's been too hot and I actually turned to someone the other day and said I can't wait for winter because I'm going to come in head to toe in my Lacoste shell suit. Awesome, roll on winter. But there's an example, even the day we signed our sports deal, I thought, oh, I'd like to wear that today. But I was like, no, my role in that business, I'm the MD of the business, you know, thinking about the photo for the press release. So there's a lot of, <laughs> there is a, quite a lot of thought that has to go into an outfit. Because you could be there looking like you want to go out and kick the footy around. Yeah. In the shell suit. Yeah, so so is there is definitely much? a lot of thought that goes into what to wear every day. And it's normally, actually, it's a little bit quirky. It's a balance between... Um, I wouldn't say corporate because there's not really, there's not really much corporate about anything <laughs> that goes on, um, here. Um, but there's an element of professionalism about it mm. and then an element of, of youth culture yeah. that I bring into my style. Yeah. So I want to ask you about your career path, which is what this podcast is about. How did people get to where they are? And, I'm interested to know, how did you start out? Did you study anything related to what you're doing now? And how did you then get into music? No, I actually, um, I was very fortunate and I went to Oxford University from a comprehensive, I might add. Mm. Um, I studied politics, philosophy and economics at Oxford. And I remember in my final year, I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be, never Mm. had since I was a young child, never had that fixed, you know, idea. I don't think many people do actually. I just remember thinking when a lot of my kind of friends were applying for jobs in the city and law firms. And I have this sort of memory that, I I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I really had a very strong feeling that I didn't just want my life to be about taking a job and making money, which is interesting because I've ended up in a great job that that earns really great money. But that it was almost like that was an aversion at the time. So instead, I decided to go traveling. I never took a gap year and I went traveling. And interestingly, my my one year out traveling turned into a long journey of uh, maybe five to eight years of initially traveling. And then I, I got very interested in Buddhism. And, and I think the philosophy, the philosophical seeker in me that had drawn me to that course at Oxford, um, really came alive. And I, I, I ended up studying, um, the philosophy of, of Buddhism, particularly Tibetan Buddhism for a number of years and traveling back and forth to India. And yeah, that was a real, so I didn't actually start my career until my late 20s which is very interesting I think a lot of people would be surprised I know I don't look that old (laughs) (laughs) taking that time and following a passion and doing what you're really interested in do you see that as did did you ever see that as being a setback in your career or well it's so interesting because at the time I had no desire for this I was you know in India, a spiritual seeker, essentially. Mm. And there's a lot of cliches, you know, associated with that. But it was more for me very much about the logical side of these teachings. It's like a science of the mind. Yeah. Um, and I find, um, in a way, when I look at the young people in the office today who've come straight out of school or college and never had those years, because even 
I think one year, amazing. If you can do one year as a gap year, I do think it's really incredible to have the opportunity to travel. And even though I see some young people here traveling with artists Mm. that might seem unbelievable to their friends, they see them every day of the week on planes, trains, traveling with artists, going to these amazing shows that look wonderful on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I do feel like, I do feel like some of the young people uh, are missing out by not having those years that I had. I mean, you don't necessarily need eight. Um, <laughs> one is enough. Um, but definitely, um, I don't, I mean, I can't change things anyway, but it hasn't, mm. it hasn't impacted on my career at well, all. Clearly. I mean, look at where we are now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is really a 15 year career. Whereas mm. had I started, um, you know, those eight years earlier, I'd be probably a lot more worn <laughs> down. So w- when you got back from India, how did you then get into music? So my younger sister um, is an artist called Jem, J-E-M. And when we were growing up, she, like me, she she wasn't vocal about being an, wanting to be a singer or an artist. Um, it was only after she'd left university, she studied law, and that she she decided almost it seemed like that one day that she was going to be a singer and I, meanwhile i'm probably climbing a mountain in nepal somewhere and so over those years when i was traveling we'd obviously talk and i'd be coming home and she i'd follow what she was doing and she was incredibly entrepreneurial and really amazing in the things that she managed to do she used to get money from various schemes and get studios in wales and really um, entrepreneurial in her spirit. And it was when I came back from India and I decided that I was going to get a proper job. And I actually looked online. I thought of joining the police, interestingly. <laughs> I can't imagine you as a police woman. Do you think, really? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see it. I just, I think I'm a Gemini and I thought I need, I kind of like the idea of like serving or helping in some way, mm. society. And... um I th- I'm a Gemini and I thought I need a job that's going to be varied because I'm quite a- self-aware and I feel like I would get bored easily. And so I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, I really, I don't think I actually filled out the application because I, uh, yeah, this came along instead. Mm. So what I used to do anyway, when I would travel back and forth from India was I was just waitressing and I would waitress and waitress. And then one day I remember on the stint, I was back earning money to go back to India. I thought I've been a waitress a long time. Why don't I just tell this restaurant that I should, I see these managers, assistant managers and managers. I feel like I should be a assistant manager. And I basically went to my boss and said, I feel like I could do this job, you know. And so then I ended up as an assistant manager of restaurants and a manager of restaurants. In those stints, I would come back. So I had some managerial experience. I'd almost kind of grown a little bit. And I also thought I could go back into catering. Mm. And I could do that as a job. You know, this world was open. And I guess there's an element of kind of confidence maybe that I had that felt okay to reach yeah. out and say those things. I was going to say, because myself not a lot forward. Of, yeah, not a lot of people would actually, or maybe they do, but they may not have the confidence to yeah. just put themselves forward and see an opportunity and like have that belief in themselves. So that's. Yeah, I think, I think I have my parents to thank for my confidence. Mm. I, I hope it's not an arrogance. I, I've not been told that, but, um, I do feel quite, uh, confident as an individual and I, I, I sometimes see others that, that don't have that. And I really wish it was a, a magic pill we could just all take yeah. because yeah, I do feel like it's probably served me very well. 
over the years. Yeah. Well, it goes to show, like just do it. Put yeah. yourself out there, right? Yeah, and if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So, and, and even when young people come into my office and they want to have the chat about their pay and they always, they feel so awkward and I say, please, if you're going to ask me for a pay rise, please don't feel awkward about it. Mm. I'm not going to say I'm going to give you one, <laughs> but if you don't ask, you don't get. You should never feel bad yeah. about asking. Yeah. So, so Jem my singer, who was a budding artist at the time, she uh, left her manager. She had a music manager. I'd come back. I was managing restaurants. I was bored out of my mind. And um, we were out on a weekend, I think shopping. And she said to me, oh, I have to meet my lawyer. Do you mind just coming? You know, I've just got to meet my lawyer for a coffee. And we met um, this lady called Sarah Stennett at a cafe on High Street, Kensington. She was um, had quite a strong Scouse accent. She was incredibly impressive, equally very confident, but very, um, very friendly. And she was talking to Jen about her career. And I, at first, was like, mm, just don't leave them to it, you know, don't talk. And But I kind of would pipe in because a lot of what she was saying to Jem, I totally agreed with. And the, I could also give Sarah Jem's opinion, knowing Jem as I did so well as a sister. And so we just got on, but I didn't think anything of it. A week later, sorry, Jem then left her manager and her lawyer, Sarah, would, she was leaning on her lawyer a lot more for advice. And Sarah was was saying, you know, Jem, you know, you really need to get a manager. Can I help you find a manager? And Jem said to Sarah, I'd really like to do it with my sister, you know. And Sarah oh you mean Chloe you know who I met the other day yeah and so Sarah now I know Sarah she's very much like this she literally said to Sarah she said sorry Sarah literally said to Jem get her in for a meeting so I then met Sarah and within the hour I spent with her she basically said uh, Chloe you and I are going to set up a company you're going to manage your sister Jem I work with these various artists some of which were very one of whom um, was number one in the charts that week. You can you can come into the office. We'll give you a desk, a computer. Tell me the minimum amount of money that you need to live off, and we'll try and find that for you. And uh, we'll set up this company. And I guarantee you, in a year, you'll know what you're doing. That's amazing. I love that think? story. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of these things that goes yeah. to show. Like, so much of it is about being in the right place at the right time, yeah. having that confidence and yeah. just... And it's interesting, the more I speak to people, not just in entertainment and ask people how you got into this, there's usually a curveball mm. or a little bit, an element of luck and timing and not something that was really planned necessarily, yeah. especially in entertainment, I found for sure. Yeah. So that's I, that's exactly what happened. We yeah. set up a company and we managed Jam and... We were very fortunate because Jem went on to sell a million records with her mm. debut album, which is the climate. The music business has changed a lot. I don't know if that would repeat itself quite like that in this day and age. And we also launched, Jem launched, um, out of America. And so I got immediate, you know, global music business experience. So I've got a lot to thank Jem for yeah. and Sarah, yeah. who I still work with today. few years ago you were on maternity leave and I was during that time came up with an invention which has now <laughs> become this really amazing product yes. that's just taken off it's called the lap baby yes. so 
Tell me about that story. Um, I was actually showing someone yesterday. So I, yeah, I, I was, I had my first child five years ago and, uh, I was on maternity leave and I was sitting at my kitchen table. I think I was trying to wrap a present for, um, for like a party we had to go to or a friend. And my daughter was in a bouncer chair just on the floor. And, um, for those that, have children you'll relate to this and for those that don't I'm sure you can understand Uh, you know as a parent of course she was happy she was settled in the chair that's wonderful I don't need a baby strapped to me the entire time however often babies will make noises until you pick them up because they're not happy just being there they want to be with mum or dad or gran and so she was just grumbling in the chair and I was like rocking it with my foot trying to wrap this present in the end um, or maybe I had to wipe a few as Christmas I can't remember the exact but I know I was at my table needing both my hands so I kind of like was like okay I picked her I said okay okay I put her on my lap I took the hoodie off the back of my chair and I wrapped it round her torso and wrapped it round me and put my hands in the air and went, someone should make something like this because there I was able to go about my business. Hands free. Hands free. So I've always been someone who's had lots of ideas in my life that I've very much entrepreneurial. I can be in a room and I can see someone something and literally my whole brain goes into the business of that thing. However, until this point in my life, I've never decided to pursue any of those ideas. This idea, I was determined. I immediately started thinking of the types of materials such a product would need to be made of, flexible, stern, but flexible. And I thought of neoprene. I thought of those back support belts that, you know, weightlifters Mm. use or people use when they're injured. And I ordered one from the internet. And I literally um, got a, a, a checkbook out to use as a measuring. I mean, I've got all these photos. I basically cut from this bigger, wider belt, a smaller belt, and tied it around both. It was like, well, this is great, but I can't patent this. This is just a round piece of neoprene. This isn't going to be kind of protect. I can't protect the idea. So I thought, what features can I add? And so I added some features. And, and you know, essentially, it took it took three years from probably the day of the idea to bring the product to market. And um, the day that I launched, I'd, I'd, I'd engaged a publicist and I sort of said, oh, I wonder if we'll get some, you know, I'm from Wales. Maybe we could get some regional press from the Welsh press. And within within minutes, she was sending me pieces that were coming out in in female Daily Mail online, in Huffington Post parents, in the sun. And I was really shocked. And um, the sales just kind of went nuts overnight. And um, it was, I was shocked, but equally, I was kind of relieved. I was like, I knew this was useful, but I'm just relieved that other people think so too. Yeah. I mean, I buy it for my friends. Every, oh, anytime that's so friends kind have of a baby, you. I give it to them because it's just it's That's so, so ingenious. I can't you. believe some, you know, no one made it before, before yeah. now. That's and then, fantastic. you know, I was contacted from various distributors, you know, around the world. And we now, uh, we now have a partner in the US, Primo Baby. They have Primo Baby Lap Baby. And in the UK, it's stocked online in, you know, Jojo, Maman Bebe and Superdrug and Argos and various other distributors. So yeah, for me, it's been, um, it's just a really amazing, yeah sort of feeling yeah. can't really describe it that you you took this product to market equally it has actually related back to entertainment because as we've sort of moved more into um from the youth culture point of view in terms of merchandise and by merchandise don't just mean a t-shirt that's available at a live show with the dates on the back we're talking about lines of clothes 
artists are now putting out cool t-shirts. Their friends have designed this. And, you know, from even with Happy Not Perfect, the app, we're talking about uh, happy boxes that you can order. They're coming soon that you can order for a friend that will have Happy Not Perfect tea in it or Happy Not Perfect, you know, chill out spray and all those kind of things need often manufactured in places like China. And I understand the full process from how to source a manufacturer, you know, who to trust, who not, how the licenses work, the factories in China through to the importing duties, codes for commodities or customs, fulfillment, warehouses, online platforms, Shopify, how to get straight to a customer. I've done the whole journey myself, protecting yeah. an idea, trademarks, patents. Often it's there's not often people don't realize you don't need to do that but it was mm. only from going down the road to realize and also there are kind of like there are clever tricks so did you ever get to a point where you kind of were thinking well i could take my career in a whole new direction here now that i've got this product that i've invented i own it it's amazing i did yes so what or you could continue doing your music or both I don't, what, how did you deal well, first with that? of all when i was you know a lot of people say how did you do that because a job in in, in the music business is it's not a nine-to-five job you know it really is a 24 7 job then i had a young baby but what i found was um before i had children in those downtime moments from work i was very unproductive watch tv lays around probably just scroll through nonsense online and when I had a baby if I had an hour I was so productive so in terms of being able to just even launch the business I was so productive in those hours I had in the evening any spare time to focus in on that baby in terms of the moment a lot of people oh this is amazing look at the reaction you know you could go and become a millionaire I mean first of all that's an illusion <laughs> it's a volume business and you actually need to develop multiple product lines if you want to really go into that kind of industry but I think the moment for me was I that baby was nominated for an innovation award and I, I was invited to the Dorchester Hotel on Park Lane for one of the big nursery product awards of the year and um, I, I went on my own and I was on a table with a lot of people who were lovely. But I've been in the Dorchester so many times. You know, it was the same room, the same round tables, probably the same tablecloth, flowers, the screens on the stage. And yet here I was in a different industry. And I didn't know anyone. But I remember sort of the conversations going on at the table and then everyone's kind of freaking out. Oh, the John Lewis table's over there. You know, everyone's like, oh, the buyers, the buyers. It's, there, was a, there was a whole language I didn't know and a whole ethos I didn't know and a whole culture I didn't know. And on that night when I was there, it dawned on me that for me, I love entertainment and mm. I like the culture I'm in and I don't want to go over there. I'm sure over there is equally as incredible and as rewarding, but I haven't grown up over there, if that makes sense. Mm. So I don't want to make that jump. And it made me, it re, launching that baby made me love my job. I love that. I which love is that just it, amazing. Yeah, it gave you a new appreciation for really did. what you do. Yeah, it really did. Because Fantastic. that grass is always greener or the what yeah. if. I had the opportunity to look and more than just look, to actually kind of like really see it from yeah. another angle. Yeah, made me love my job. So we're back to the music industry, which you love. You know, the whole thing of Time's Up, the music industry's been kind of quiet and 
There are some pretty interesting stats on the music industry. Like there was um, the USC Annenberg um, released a report earlier in the year where they just looked at the Grammys over the last six years. And what they found was really quite interesting. So only 2% of the producers were women. Only 9% of Grammy nominees over the last six years are female and uh, only 12% of songwriters of the 600 most popular songs in the last six years were women. So I was interested to know, is that your experience of the industry? It's interesting because at First Access Entertainment, we're actually a very female-led um, company. So, and, and I live and breathe this environment mm. all day long. However, there's no doubt those statistics are true. And there's no doubt that, um, it's very interesting. I remember with Jem, because she was the artist, she wanted to, she was so involved in the production of her record. But when I had to have the call with the manager of the, the engineer who was also a co-producer to say, I want to have the discussion with you now about Jem, not only having her artist kind of percentage on this record, to have a co-production credit and have a co-production um, percentage. It, I mean, that, that phone call was one of the, I still remember it. It was, I was accused of all sorts of nonsense because she's the artist. Why she's not the producer. The idea that she could also co-produce her own record was so, you know, and this was probably 15 years ago. But I feel like that would be the same conversation today had I have mm. to, had I had to do that again. Um, you know, it's interesting. I feel like there's um, it, the same thing's happening, but the awareness is there now. And the first step in any change is awareness, whether that's for ourselves in terms of things we want to change about ourselves or in society. So there's a huge awareness there. Um, there's definitely more like we have a lot of music schools and sometimes I have to go and talk to them. There's definitely, I think, a higher intake now of women onto some of these, like the more tech side of the music courses. So hopefully we'll start to see more female mm. engineers, more female producers and more female songwriters getting in the room. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's it's always the case that we need the role models in order to inspire the next generation. Absolutely. And uh, sadly, the in terms of artist level we have a lot of incredible you know art, female artist role models but from a songwriter and a producer point of view i think women also they we often shy away from from a little bit of pr you know i agree with that 100% even when i look yeah. at music week and sometimes i even think about myself i sometimes even see some of my male colleagues who i know have engaged publicists and i'll see articles here and there why don't you do that chloe why don't you do that and then there's something in me that either feels i don't need to or i would be embarrassed by doing it, which is really strange mindset. And yeah, I'm sad to say that's sometimes the thought process I go through. Whereas I do feel like perhaps um, for a man, the confidence that I have in other areas would apply in the self-promotion yeah. side. Yeah. There's self-confidence and there's a one-on-one -on -one delivering and then there's a self-promotion to a yeah. wider audience. Yeah. I've learned so much from our CEO, Sarah Stanner, yeah. who is the... Um, I think she, if you, you can find some incredible quotes from our artists, um, especially one from Rita that I don't want to get wrong, but it's something like she has the biggest balls in <laughs> music business. <laughs> but it. I think we should say the biggest boobs. Like, yeah. why do we have to compare ourselves <laughs> to, to a pair of men's testicles? Why do we always have to say that even? She's got yeah. balls. Yeah. We have to compare ourselves to that. It's, it's like we need to come up with a new, a new language for exactly yeah. that phrase 
of she's got balls. Yeah. Why do we have to suddenly go, she is like them? Yeah. No, we need to come up with a new language. Because it's still, it, it's own. basically, yeah, because it's basically saying that that confidence is a male trait. There you go. And it's not. Let's not give them the props. So, but I exactly. love men. Let's not. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, what advice would you give to a young woman who wants to get into the music industry? What I have done uh, was not rest on my laurels. When I was a young artist manager with no experience whatsoever, if I happened to be copied on an email and I saw a contract as an attachment and I had the authority to read it, I wouldn't just passively let the information slide through my inbox. I would actively read the contract, try and understand it, and try and develop not just one string to my bow. And it's very easy in this business to just let sometimes lawyers do their bit, uh, you know, the finance guys do their bit, and um, the video directors do their bit. And I, I sometimes feel that especially uh, people that come into entertainment get kind of slightly blinded by the creative side and for me I feel there's a there's a lot of creativity in organization mm. really is we say, oh, I'm not creative I'm just really organized I feel that there's a lot of creativity involved in organization and that there's a whole administrative world that people don't see but people don't like the word administration they think it's boring it really isn't it's business Business is exciting. If you understand not just the A to B, the idea, the creation, if you understand the B to Z, then I feel that you will go very far in any industry. Mm. Don't just like go for the bright lights of what, figure out the chains of how all this works. Because if you understand how the entire business works, whatever industry you're in, imagine the areas you can then go into with mm. that understanding. Oh, I love that idea. And it makes yeah. you also... I feel much better at your job. I ask all my guests two questions. The first is, what's your definition of success? Happiness. I don't, I don't measure my success on my title and my position. I, I have another outlook on life. And for me, for all of the running around and all of the wonderful sides to having a job, having a family, having a home... Uh, for me, the most important thing is the contentment of the mind mm. because that's what we're all trying to get anyway. Yeah. And that is, that involves, you know, soul searching and uh, having, having to be able to have time to reflect about life because life is going at such a quick pace. Mm. We're just all doing it before you know it, you know, Oh, what? I'm 50. Yeah. So, so I think definition of success is happiness. However, you would define mm. that. For and me, does it's your, a form of contentment. Does your involvement in Buddhism have a big part to play in that? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I feel like I've always had an element of that. Hence, not hence knowing when I was at uni, I just didn't want to go out and just make money for the sake of it. There had to be more to life than that, mm. and there is more to life than that. And so, yeah, absolutely. I feel it's very important to have something um, outside of your work. If it's your family, wonderful. If it's a religion, great. If it's a yoga class, wonderful. If it's going and racing cars around Silverstone on the weekend, great. It can be anything, but you need to have something that can take you out. Yeah. And then finally, a travel tip. I'd love to have travel a travel tip. tip from where you're from or where your family's originally I'm from, from Wales. So it could be a place or a restaurant or a beach oh, or Oh, I know exactly it. Oh, tell me. 
There's a beach in Wales on the Gower Peninsula. It's approximately an hour from Cardiff, the capital of Wales. The beach is called Rossilly Beach or Rossilly Bay. And it's a four mile long beach. It's actually been voted consistently one of the top six beaches in Europe over the oh, wow. years. And, um, I feel for me, it's a deeply, um, relaxing place, stunning, beautiful, and where I feel very at peace. Awesome. I'll have to check it out when I'm in Wales. Yeah. Better than Australia. Well, <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> anyway, Chloe, thank you ever so much for coming on the show today. I've loved our chats. Thank Got you so much. So much. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Freedom Hunters. I love Chloe's story, her ability to create her own luck through sheer determination, belief in herself, as well as being in the right place at the right time. I should also mention that while Chloe continues as VP at First Access Entertainment, she is still the managing director of Lap Baby, her company that she set up to more or less run itself due to the profile she created at its launch, plus ongoing strategic marketing. It's such an inspiring story. Thank you for listening to Freedom Hunters. You can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to give the series a boost and help other people find it. And you can read more about what I'm passionate about on my website, secondsister.com. Tune in on the first of every month when another inspiring guest will be sharing their story of how they found freedom in a career that they love. <laughs>